Our voice is a weapon. We can use our voice to yell, to say no. We can use our voice to confront someone who's bothering us, to make a scene, or to talk our way out of a really scary situation. Yelling is great because it keeps us breathing. It also attracts attention to our situation, and it sometimes can freak an attacker out enough so that he'll just leave us alone. On the count of three, we're going to breathe in and yell no as loud as we can. And remember to breathe in from your belly and yell from your belly instead of from your throat. One, two, three. No! Good. Again. One, two, You're listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. Interference Archive is a social space, exhibition venue, and OpenStax archive of social movement materials. Our work is rooted in the belief that our shared histories should be held in common and accessible to all. My name is Louise Barry. I'm one of the organizers of our current exhibition. It's called Take Back the Fight, Resisting Sexual Violence from the Ground Up. And it's about the history of collective struggle against sexual violence. My name is Melissa Forbes. I am a longtime community activist and organizer. I'm a cultural anthropologist, um, currently a professor of women's gender and sexuality studies. The idea for the exhibition came from two members of the Interference Archive, Lonnie Hanna and um, Monica Johnson. My name is Lonnie Hanna. Hi, I'm Monica Johnson. I'm one of the organizers of Take Back the Fight. I'm a uh, exhibitions designer, installer, I'm a mom. This exhibition is a collaboration between Interference Archive and the Lesbian History Archives and includes material from both collections. My name is Rachel Corpman um, and I'm a doctoral candidate in women's gender and sexuality studies. My research is in the history of feminism in the 70s and 80s. What was interesting and challenging about working on the exhibit was trying to think about um, the Lesbian History Archives collection in relation to these histories, because I feel as though the strengths of the collection, there, there's a lot related to the 1970, 1970s feminism. And then a bit later, there's a lot related to LGBTQ activism, like in the 90s. And both like kind of the different holes that I found throughout working, like what kind of material we don't have and what kind of material we do have and how that relates to what was thought to be important to collect at different periods of time for the Lesbian History Archives has been really interesting. We talked about a lot of ways to conceive of this particular exhibition, and in the very beginning we we talked a lot about um, what constitutes sexual violence, gender violence, how these issues have become institutionalized. And so our idea was to think about how, you know, for decades, trying to combat sexual violence or think about community ways of healing were actually part of movements, and it was about resistance and fighting and making social change, and so we were thinking about one of the things was to take back that fight that it's actually to put it in the realm of struggle and that um, communities are struggling are still struggling and have always been struggling and to take it away from that kind of um, sort of very sanitized institutional view um, and think about making change on a more collective level it's an obvious reference to take back the night but also trying to think about both different critiques of that specific history and also ways in which 
in this moment, we can take back the fight. Don't wrestle with an attacker. Wrestling is tiring, and unless you are a trained wrestler, it is probably a contest of strength and body weight. Strike instead. When you hit or kick, strike hard with all of your power. Don't hold back a thing. Imagine you are striking through your target. Don't stop at your target. Yell loudly every time you strike. Hit fast. Your strikes are faster than a speeding bullet. Keep on hitting over and over to whatever targets are open. Hit high and low. If you choose to fight, don't stop until you... I was noticing when I looked through, like, zines and pamphlets and posters and, you know, even the the record that we have that was um, about organizing around this topic, They there were two extreme polarities of, like, graphic representation. And one of them was, I think, you know, this sort of cliché angry women who are fed up with being violated in a fist in the air and red and black and sharp angles and you know screaming and rallying together and just like kind of followed that anger and hurt and the other side was I think there was a there's a pamphlet called uh, the handbook for beaten women is specifically what I'm thinking about which I believe was in the 80s, and I've seen other pamphlets made in the 80s where it just says, the handbook for beaten women, and it's, like, brown, and the background is, like, manila, and that's it. And, I mean, that's not discrete language, but it's such a discrete graphic that if you weren't really looking for the words, you could miss it. And so there's, like, a... Like, a covertness. I don't know if it's subversive, but they're, like... it, it enables that organizing and activism to proliferate in sort of like under the radar ways um, and unexpected ways. You see a lot of activism on places like college campuses where there's a, a large network of people where people can get to know each other. There's a lot of time to, to organize. And, and so you get a sense of community around certain issues. One of the things I think we can really think about and learn from the history of organizing is how to build community um, and how to and how necessary and important community is for different processes of healing and fighting against something like sexual assault. There are ways that we can make change and it can become effective um, through collective healing and collective action and I think that's the one thing is so to not see it as um, something that is just an isolated thing that happens to a person um, and and women more generally that is something that a woman has to deal with but that it can it's actually part of um, structural violence and affects entire communities not just the people involved. I think that the exhibition will be useful to people who are either engaged in this work themselves as activists or who are thinking through these issues. We hope to, I think, create different communities of people and energize different communities, people who are working on these issues already. Maybe what I really hope is that we can denaturalize this because I think one of the things is sexual violence has just become so naturalized. It's just something that happens, and it isn't shocking. And so maybe on a certain level, by seeing the sort of histories and how people have been um, finding different ways to both fight, to, you know, fight against it, um, and also come together, that people will once again start to see it as something that 
um, is a really big deal. The fight isn't over, so we're taking it back. Take Back the Fight is on view now at Interference Archive and will be up through October 29th. The music and spoken word pieces you heard in this episode came from the album Free to Fight, which is part of the Archives collection and is also included in this exhibition. Free to Fight was produced by Candy Ass Records in 1995. Yelling can be useful if we want to make a scene. Attackers don't want to be hurt or caught, and making a scene in a public place increases our safety because it exposes the attacker's inappropriate behavior. Women who are willing to risk embarrassment and draw attention to themselves are safer. Interference Archive is collectively run and volunteer-powered. If you like what you heard today, consider making a donation to help keep the archive up and running. Just go to interferencearchive.org and click on Donate. From all of us at Audio Interference, thanks for listening.